For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, The Testimony of Yeshua. This is part five of the series. So what we've seen so far is that Yeshua gave the Torah at Mount Sinai. The Torah and the Ten Commandments is his testimony, which in Hebrew is Edut, the Strong's number 5715. It was given to the nation of Israel, the congregation of Jacob, congregation in Hebrew is Ada. It's the Strong's number 5712. And it is connected to the Hebrew word Aid, the Strong's number 5707, which means a witness. So there's a linguistic connection of the lawgiver and his Torah and his Ten Commandments. The Edut is linguistically connected to the people that he gave it to, the Adah, the congregation, and what they're called to be. And that is to be the witness of the Torah of the lawgiver. And we are to follow his Torah and through the help and the inspiration of his Holy Spirit. So next what we're going to do is we're going to break down the Torah and the Ten Commandments into greater detail that the Torah is just the general term for the instructions of the God of Israel. And these general instructions are summarized into Ten Commandments. Now, these Ten Commandments are classified or categorized into commandments that tell us how we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and commandments that are associated with how we treat other people, how we love our neighbor as ourself. And so in Hebrew, the Hebrew word that's going to be the category of commandments that tell us how we love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength is going to be commonly translated in the King James as a statute. And the Hebrew word is hok, singular, hokim, plural. And the category of commandments that's going to teach us how we treat other people, how we love our neighbor as ourself, the most common translation in the King James English is judgment, but the Hebrew word is mishpatim. Mishpat is singular, mishpatim is plural. So therefore, the Torah is categorized into Hokim and Mishpatim, 
statutes and judgments. So the first thing we're going to see is how in the big picture of the Bible, we are told in keeping the Torah and the Ten Commandments of the lawgiver that we're to specifically keep his statutes and judgments, Hokim and Mishpatim. So that's the first thing we're going to do in this part of the teaching is to see and to understand that big picture. And then we're going to conclude this part of the teaching by sharing with you specifically what are Hokim commandments. Now this teaching is not going to detail for you Mishpatim commandments, how you treat other people. I have a separate teaching that fully and comprehensively teaches you and goes through the Bible to show you the importance of keeping the Mishpatim commandments. And that teaching is called the marriage covenant agreement and lawsuit. And so that's what we're going to cover in this part of the teaching. So the first thing we're going to see is that the Torah is defined as being statutes and judgments or hokim and mishpatim. We can see this from Deuteronomy in chapter 4 in verse 8, which says, In what nation is there so great that has statutes, hokim, and judgments, mishpatim, so righteous as all this Torah which I've set before you this day? And so, The Torah is called Statutes and Judgments, Hokim and Mishpatim. We can see this as well in Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. For Ezra prepared his heart to seek the Torah of the Lord to do it, to seek the Torah and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments, Hokim and Mishpatim. So statutes is the Strong's number 2706. It's Hok in the singular and the plural Hokim. Judgments is the Strong's number 4941, and it's the Hebrew word mishpat, singular, mishpatim, plural. So not only is the Torah defined as being statutes and judgments, hokim and mishpatim, but the testimonies is defined as being statutes and judgments, hokim and mishpatim. So now it says in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 45, these are the testimonies and the hokim and mishpatim, which Moses spoke unto the children of Israel after they came out of Egypt. Deuteronomy and chapter 6, verse 20. And when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what means the testimonies and the hokim and mishpatim, which the Lord your God has commanded you. So the Torah or the Ten Commandments is the testimony and they're defined as being statutes and judgments, Hokim and Mishpatim. So the next thing that we're going to see is that the Hebrew word judgments that appears in the English in our Bible, the English word judgment is in Hebrew, Mishpat singular or Mishpatim. And what does Mishpat mean? Mishpat means to make a decision about a matter. And so this word then is going to be associated with the Hebrew word for judge. And so the God of Israel made human beings to act as judges. So how do I know that? 
because human beings are given a brain. And how do we use our brain? We use our brain to take in information gathered from the five physical senses, and then we make an analysis about a situation and we make a decision about it. So we spend all day making decisions. We decide when we're going to get up, what we're going to eat, uh, what we're going to do that day. When we meet someone, we decide what we're going to say. So we spend all day perpetually making decisions about what we're going to do and what we're going to say. So the Hebrew word for to make a decision about a matter is mishpat. And so we can see that the Hebrew word mishpat, the Strong's number 4941, comes from the Strong's number 8199, and that is the Hebrew word shafat. And shafat means a judge or one that is in a position of power and authority where they govern, rule, or they make decisions about a matter. So a judge in court, a shafat, makes decisions about a matter. And the decisions that the judge, the shafat, makes, the decisions are called mishpat. So we take the Hebrew word shafat and we put the Hebrew letter mem in front of the word shafat, which means judge, and then we get the Hebrew word mishpat. And so in the Hebrew, linguistically, shafat, judge, is linguistically connected to mishpat because the relationship is that a judge, shafat, makes decisions about a matter. And these decisions are mishpat, singular, mishpatim, plural. So the God of Israel wants us to make decisions according to his values. And in order to understand what his values are, he has given us his Torah to understand his values. And he wants us to make decisions in our lives according to the standard of his Torah. And if we live our life according to his Torah, we are regarded by him as being a holy or a righteous people. Now, if we depend upon our own actions and behaviors to establish our righteousness in him, we have no righteousness in him because the Torah was given as a covenant. And given that the Torah was given as a covenant, if you break any part of the covenant, you've broken the entire covenant. And so this is what James explains in James chapter 2, verse 10. Whoever will keep the whole of the Torah but violates one part of the Torah, he is guilty of violating the entire Torah. If you break one part of the covenant, you've broken the covenant and the terms of the covenant itself. So if we are going to establish righteousness in God based upon our own merit, our own actions, the standard by which we 
establish that righteousness is we must keep the Torah of the lawgiver faithfully 100% of the time in order to have our own merit. But we're told in the book of Romans by Paul that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's Romans chapter 3 verse 23. And given that all have sinned, broken the covenant, thus fallen short of the glory of God, Paul then explains in Romans chapter 6 verse 23 that the wages of sin is death. And so we have no righteousness based upon establishing our own righteousness that Messiah himself, he is our righteousness and we have righteousness in him whenever we repent of our sins and accept his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins and then we ask him into our heart and our lives making him savior and lord of our lives we are told this in romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Yeshua and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So the nation of Israel, they were not able to establish their own righteousness. And they were told that they were not able to establish their own righteousness. On the contrary, we're told in the Torah that the nation of Israel acted and behaved as a stiff-necked people, a rebellious people, and rebellious against the Torah. And so we're told in Deuteronomy in chapter 9 and beginning in verses 4 through 6, Speak not in your heart after the Lord your God has cast them out from before you, saying that it was because of your own righteousness that the Lord has brought me in to possess the land. It wasn't because of the nation of Israel's own righteousness, but it was because of the wickedness of the nations that the Lord has drive them out from before you. And it's not for your righteousness or for the uprightness of your heart do you go to possess their land? But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord your God does drive them out from before you that he might perform the word or his covenant promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we are righteous through Yeshua's righteousness and through his integrity to keep his word and to keep his covenant. And it says in Deuteronomy chapter 9 verse 6, understand therefore that the Lord your God gives you not this good land to possess for your righteousness for you are a stiff-necked people. So not only does the Torah say that we're not able to establish our own merit, our own righteousness to be regarded as righteous in the eyes of the God of Israel, but the prophets say the same thing. So we're going to go to Ezekiel in chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, son of man, say to the children of your people, the righteousness of the righteous, this is the best of the best, shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. And as for the wickedness of the wicked, the meanest of peoples, he shall not fall in the day that he turns from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live in his righteousness in the day that he sins. 
Based upon what? Based upon this. Verse 13. When I say to the righteous that he will live, if he trusts in his own righteousness and commits iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered. But for his iniquity that he has committed, he shall die for it. And so if you break one part of the covenant, you've broken the whole covenant and you're guilty. And so based upon establishing your own righteousness, you must be righteous and never sin 100% of the time. And no human being has done that from Adam until now, except for Yeshua who came as a man. He lived a sinless life, but no one born after Adam's transgression has ever lived a sinless life. So therefore, that's why Paul says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Continuing on in Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 14, when I say to the wicked that you will die if he turns from his sin and does what is lawful and right, if the wicked restore the pledge, give again that which he is robbed, walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall live, he shall not die. Verse 16, none of his sins that he has committed shall be mentioned unto him. He has done that which is lawful and right. He shall surely live. So Yeshua, he is our righteousness. And the fact that we receive righteousness through Yeshua's righteousness, that's called imputed righteousness. It's not something we earn. It's something that we are given and we receive through him because of what he did when he died on the tree and shed his blood so that we can have forgiveness of sin. So Jeremiah in chapter 23, verses 5 and 6. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king will reign and prosper, and he will execute judgment and justice in the earth. This is speaking about the Messiah. In his days, in the days of the Messiah, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell safely. And this is the name whereby he will be called the Lord is our righteousness. So the Messiah is going to be called, He is our righteousness. So we can see Paul explaining this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, where it says, He has made Him, that is Yeshua, to be made sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. So Yeshua, who did not sin, He was made sin and we who sin we are made righteous in him when we accept his righteousness and his righteousness comes from and us receiving that righteousness comes from and through him shedding his blood on the tree and he shed his blood to provide forgiveness of sin for us if we would repent of our sins and confess our sins and then make a proclamation and believe in our heart that Yeshua was raised from the dead and we ask him into our heart to be Savior and Lord, then we have Yeshua's righteousness. Next, we're going to go back to Isaiah in chapter 33, verse 22. We shared and studied this verse in detail earlier in the teaching where it says in Isaiah 33, verse 22, that the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. So in this verse, 
we can see that the judge is also the lawgiver. And so in this verse, the Lord is our judge. The Hebrew word judge is Shaphat. It's the Strong's number 8199. And so we mentioned earlier that this Hebrew word judge, Shaphat, is linguistically connected to Mishpat, plural Mishpatim, which is the Strong's number 4941. Because a judge, Shaphat, makes decisions. Mishpat, or plural, Mishpatim. And now we're going to see what is the Hebrew word for lawgiver. In this verse, lawgiver is the Strong's number 2710. So it comes from the Hebrew word hok and the Strong's number 2706. So the Hebrew word translated as lawgiver is hakak, and hakak is the Strong's number 2710, and hok comes from hakak. So we can see the connection that a lawgiver, Hakak, gives decrees, hok, or plural, hokim. So now we're going to see the connection between judge and lawgiver. Judge is going to be connected with mishpatim, and lawgiver is going to be connected to hokim. So there's a connection to the lawgiver, Hakak, who gives decrees, hok, singular, hokim, plural, is going to be connected with Judge Shaphat, who makes decisions and rulings, Mishpat. So the lawgiver is also the judge. So the lawgiver and the judge, he then gives his people Hokim and Mishpatim. So let's continue to see this picture that we're painting together in this teaching. The lawgiver, Hakak, which is the Strong's number 2710, who is Yeshua, he's also the judge, Shaphat, which is the Strong's number 8199. And he gave his Torah, which is his testimony, Edut, in the form of Hokim and Mishpatim. Statutes are Hokim, judgments are Mishpatim. Statutes or hokim or commandments that tell us how we love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And judgments, mishpatim, are commandments regarding how we love our neighbor as ourself. And so the lawgiver gave his Torah in the form of hokim and mishpatim as testimonies, adut, to his people, that is the house of Jacob or the congregation of Jacob, who are his Ada, his congregation, and they are to be his witnesses, aid to the world of the holiness and the righteousness of the lawgiver and of his Torah. So next we're going to see that the lawgiver, Yeshua, was asked when he came to this earth at his first coming, of all the commandments of your Torah, which is the greatest? Matthew chapter 22, verses 36. Well, that's going to conclude part five of the series on the subject, the testimony of Yeshua. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.
Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.